Harry Moraga. Bonjour, mon ami. Bonjour, finally. You um, been waiting to do this for way too long. You were supposed to be episode one, and then I got too anxious. <laughs> and I was afraid if I didn't do it the day that I had the courage to, that I was never going to start it. And so I sort of just, uh, I had to jump or I was going to untie the bungee kind of thing, you know? No, it's funny you say that because it's like it's, it almost feels like there was an intentional thing in me to delay doing it to see if you would just go. I didn't want to almost be the catalyst for you to start this. I was just like, if I if I give him the go to do this, I don't want it to ever feel like it's not his. Mm. You know, it's yours. So now, you, so even the genesis is yours. The first huh. part of it is yours. Your special sob, Harry. No offense to Mama Moraga, because she's a lovely woman. Uh, that's not what yeah, I she is. No shit. <laughs> Dude, I feel like I've been in fucking five car accidents right now. Because <laughs> that was the third time I've been to jujitsu in two and a half years. Um, and unfortunately, I had to roll with you. And our black belt instructor. And um, it basically took every molecule of my body to not die. And I am now paying for that handsomely <laughs> in every ligament and joint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two and a half years is a long time, man. And yes. to come back and to come back and really to on my end to feel your awareness and it's not like you you took a round off, like your cardio was there, whether it was there or your your fortitude to just go for it was there. I was on the, the verge the, of the, throwing up most of the time. <laughs> does doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, they're both equally as like important and kind of necessary, whether your mind carried you through or your yeah, cardio. Fair enough. Like, I mean, especially on there. like competition day and stuff like that, for yeah. sure. You know, and because you feel you like you're going to throw up in the first 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Throw up, and all your joints are going to lock oh up, and it's God. like I don't even know if I can pick up a pencil. Your hand is so stiff. You know. Oh man. But you felt good, man. It felt great. You had a lot of awareness, and just it was, it was fun. You know, felt strong. I, I knew all the. I will say this: help. I had a lot of fun tonight, and I think one of the things that I was lacking in jujitsu for a while is it wasn't fun anymore. And I, I don't know why. I don't think it was anything about the instruction or the students or anything because it's the same instructor. It's the same school. It's similar folks, right? Yourself and others there that I've seen and trained with before. And so it was, it's definitely me. Like I'm a hundred percent certain what's different is me. And I think because it's fun I am instinctively doing smarter things or just better things, I guess, yeah. because I'm just playing with it instead of panicking about what's going to happen or how I look yeah. or whatever. You right. know? The, the fun the, part of it is so huge. Oh, yeah. If it's not fun, then you're just you're just kind of hyper-focusing on like uh, performance anxiety because it's all that it is. At least for me, it was in the beginning, you know? And I think everybody really needs a big break from it to just kind of reflect on why you like it. And then as you come back, like your gratitude for it. And then you naturally, I feel like just even in your case, coming back with a new mind, a new perspective, yeah. a new, um, new goals, which then 
take over how you roll, how you think of things, what you let go, you know, and, and all of it just kind of comes together for just more fun, less being in your head. You know, I've gone through it a million times. I'm like, do I love this? Yeah. I'm making myself do this, but do I love this? Some people love this shit. And then now it's like, I do love it. I'm, yeah. I absolutely love it because I just care less while I'm there, if that makes any sense. Like, it makes 100% sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm there. I'm very much there. You can't not be there in the moment. But the, um, you know, the, uh, the attachments to like your, how you see yourself in the aftermath of even training is just not there. And those are definitely connected to just the aftermath of what maybe I would do with everything. How will I look if I take a test? How will I look coming home in these grades? How will I look um, if this song doesn't get performed well? Like me just being so attached to an objective mm. is just slowly dwindling away, which then makes this, this experience just that much better. It's just, it's just the experience, Yeah, you know? So, I mean, I, I think feel I, like I'm you're starting to thing. really understand the Californian obsession with surfing, or at least let's call it like the memeified version of what I think the East Coast gets <laughs> sold as Californian. Right, right, right. Um, well, we just don't have that many surfers out here because, well, great white sharks and fucking 40 degree water. But yeah, we got a lot I of get, festival heads. Yeah. And I think I just sort of get it now, like this idea that you just dance with nature for hours. Like what a beautiful idea, you know, cause that's to me, that's a lot of what BJJ is. If it, if it's going right, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, if it's something that is truly a conduit to truth, it feels like a dance of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it, it sucks you into the moment. It's uh, obviously it's, if it's going to be, fun then it's fun but there's like very little room to uh to kind of mess up i guess in certain in a certain way especially with surfing you know and just the awe of it and the respect for nature there's so much respect i think you have to have for uh for the thing itself that you know you're just kind of in awe in it and happy to just be engaging with it and you're just outside you know you're with the ocean you're it's, you know it's all blanketed with risk you know there's mm-hmm. are there's certain people that do these things and certain people that don't but all of everything that you're saying with a thin layer of risk on top of it kind of makes it um but that's sort of makes it worth it that's sort of what life is is a dance with risk right like yeah at any point in history you can just even if you were in like quote unquote primitive time, cave yeah. people, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like yeah. Every day was a dance with risk continuously. Yeah. And I think that because our institutions, like the government is designed to lull you into thinking it can protect you from all risk. I think in uh, that's an over wild oversimplification, but one of the things that happens via government is that, it starts to constantly seek out everywhere that anyone is ever at risk and try and mitigate it. And I think that over time, the better you get at actually doing that, it creates that sort of black swan effect where 
at some point the problem outruns the human ability to pretend like it can control the universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you have covered up the small little things that you can dance with. And then suddenly you have this, you know, monstrosity um, <clears throat> that you, you can't do anything about. And now, you know, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go as far as even the government. Like I understand that part of it to like a very heavy degree with their influence but just little things i think it's just a it's a it's a a symptom of just the the present moment that that we're living in which is not 200 years ago you know we have products that are here to protect us we have things to, to sterilize our homes to a, a degree that's sold under the guise of protection but in the end creates fucking allergies for children right. as they get older because you're not building the biomes of your skin and your gut and all of these things. Everything is here to kind of sell you these goods. Uh, and by the way, I don't think that these you. people are doing it nefariously. Like no, I don't think not. the people who invented no. Lysol or the people who work at Lysol currently, mm -hmm. not Lysol, Procter & Gamble, whoever owns them, like, or I'm picking a random thing, right? Like gotcha. any, any company that has something that has second, third, fourth order effects that weren't mm -hmm. intended. I don't yeah. think that any of that stuff is intentionally done. No, that's I like think saying it's just... that a jacket manufacturer is nefariously trying to do something to you because we're choosing to protect ourselves more right. by, by right. not, it's not no pun intended, by like uh, insulating ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. You can choose to get this jacket. You can choose to get these things that protect you from the weather. But, you know, as you you're going to be less acclimated to the weather. Exactly. So now what you're seeing is an uptick in people wanting to get away from these things in uh, understanding the ice baths as you do, or like, um, you know, doing whatever, more sauna work or anything like this that kind of shocks the system that is the absolute uh, anti-protection and realizing all of the good things that you actually get out of it that's built into our evolution, you know, that you can yeah. hack into and, and really uh, give yourself um, mental like physical boosts and i think the parallel between exactly what you're saying and the surfing and the jujitsu um you know i think that that is why um it is that intoxicating when you get involved in something like that because you 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 get to be aware of the constant dancing with the risk which then yeah. translates into you taking more risks and being able to face them that's in right. this kind of in your regular life and as mundane honestly, as it can be problems happen risk comes yes and and now you assess it better because of the little microcosm of of risk taking and overcoming it in surfing or jujitsu or fucking skateboarding you know Man. never interrupt a kid skateboarding no <laughs> um it's it's fascinating because i think the constant zone of pro is constant exposure to the zone of proximal development, meaning like just beyond the edge of what you're currently capable of is a divine act because it makes you more capable. And the more capable you are, the more use you are to the universe. Mm. And so I think it is our duty as a, as a species 
to become as capable as we can. And one of the greatest gifts I have been given in my life was meeting you because you helped me see that there was an entire side of me that I feel like, I don't know if it was that I wasn't comfortable accessing or if just growing up in central Massachusetts in the eighties and nineties, you know, the toxic masculinity, whatever, like there was just components of my existence that were completely missing. And I think because of the nature of how we met via jujitsu, right? This masculine type of environment where we're trying to choke each other out, whatever. I think that kind of gave me permission to start to see that it was okay to dance with other sides of myself, right? Because I had this like wall of masculinity of like, okay, we just beat the shit out of each other. And now it's okay if we go have like a conversation about feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I what that has now allowed me to do on the other side of it is now like, I can have this dance in sort of two directions. And, um, you know, I, now I look at, instead of trying to, I used to write down goals and all the goals were focused about me ultimately, right? How much money I was going to have, how many kids, how great our relationship was going to be with Meg, whatever. <clears throat> and now the only goal that I have is to surrender more of myself so that I can be of more use to whatever I'm called upon to do. And so I'm fascinated by this idea of like, which is why I love the idea of Jedi as the concept. It's like, how can I be of service to the world? And what's so fucking cool about it is the the deeper into it you go, the better it seems to go for you. And right. despite the fact that you're no longer trying to do anything for you. Hmm. It's a very, to me, that's a fascinating uh, kind of conundrum. And I think that's why religion has always carried this notion of faith, right? And service. And it's so almost unbelievable (laughs) that I think any skeptic, you know, with any hyper-masculinized, like prove it to me, right? Like I must see it to believe it kind of notion. Um, Because if you don't believe in magic, it's not real. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm rambling. I'm so fucking tired. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. You're in a good vulnerable state, buddy. Well, I thank you for that. You know, it's, I think that's, I think that was going to come your way no matter what, whether you met me or not. You know, these are things you, I, I believe you're just um, on the path to really just remembering, you know, and whether I was the oh, catalyst or something else was the catalyst, right? It's just, it's remembering these things. It was Ram Dass. We're all just walking each other home. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that looks different for, for everyone. It looks very different for everyone. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess for, for, for context, I guess on my end, like, you know, I know that you had mentioned that it's like, you know, you hug your friends and 
you know, there's always some kind of like quick reserve to it where you're like, I don't know if this, this is just a quick hello. And then it's, yeah, it's and like the, it's kind of over with. Yeah. The pat pat. And that's perfectly fine. You know? And I know that you had mentioned this something about when we hug, it feels different. It's whether it's genuine or just something there that feels like there's some, there, there's more caring, something, something like that in there. Yeah. There's an intention to connect. Right. Yeah. Is what I think, what I get out of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's funny too, because it's, it's, it's nothing that's ever been told to me, but you're probably the first person to tell me in a very, <laughs> in a very positive way that I've somehow given you uh, feminine energy. <laughs> it's not that you've you know, given and, it to me. It's that you've given me the freedom. Or I've shown you mine. Whatever you you've given it. me the freedom to not be terrified of my complete self. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, uh, and I happened to be like, in certain ways, like incapable of empathy, for instance, like it was just a part of my trauma, like it stopped me from being able to see anybody else's point of view. Yeah. In reality. Now, I think mm-hmm. my aphantasia also probably had something to do with that. But um, you know, and that's the thing is we're all living some semblance of a totally different experience. And we just yeah. have to give each other grace for that. Cause like, right. holy shit, we have no idea. No, no. I mean, to, I mean, the way I've worked in that space, I really, I think is, well, I know it's a hundred percent come from just even my mother. You know, I've had a lot of very strong feminine energy just my whole life. And what's what lives in that is this space to um, explore yourself and explore your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, this it's a it's a very contrast experience from when if you have a father and with good intention, sometimes the language and the energy and the coping skills that they kind of roll off onto you is 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 it can come sometimes get translated into this roll it off your shoulder type mm-hmm. of energy of course yeah and that can Rub be okay because yeah and sometimes that's okay because you don't want to be groveling in the corner not knowing what to do about a circumstance that paralyzes you there's utility in that but you know whenever something would arise in me whether it's um a relationship problem or something with school at a very young age, even when I was five, there was always space to just talk to my mother and, and explain to her in as much detail because she would pry it out of me mm-hmm. really what, what I was feeling. And, and I think it just conditioned this thing in me of um, expressing yourself emotionally is kind of paramount to knowing how to communicate in the world mm-hmm. and, and also knowing how to listen. She was a very good listener. So knowing the art of pulling back and how to contribute. And when you don't contribute, it's just as powerful as what you're actually, what you could have said. Silence mm-hmm. is just, just as good. Um, you know, and I think that m- maybe sometimes it can catch some people off guard in a way when I want to sit and kind of excavate 
what's going on with a person yeah. that maybe they themselves really have a lot of reserve about it. Yeah. And I'm not trying, and I don't want to like uh, make someone uncomfortable, but you know, it's a curiosity. I, it's like, it's, it, it's a curiosity. Right. And you know, I, I'd like to think that I can somewhat be skilled at uh, mining for things that will give somebody the freedom to just um, pick it up and show themselves to then show me whatever it is that maybe they wouldn't have if uh, somebody else had, had asked them. And I get that all really from just that feminine en- energy from, from my mom, just letting me know that it's, it is very important to express yourself when you're not feeling well. And I've seen that bleed into everything. My, my music, just all of it, the, the absolute um, honesty, even if it's really painful mm-hmm. um, is I, I don't see I don't, I don't see, um, at least in that realm, art being made in any other way. Um, like if it's, I don't see how you can make it any other way other than being brutally honest, especially when it hurts. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I try to bridge that into a lot of different things. And most certainly my relationships which I think because you've embraced that so easily and that we've talked so much and we know much of each other's context and our backstory, you know, I think that's kind of uh, that lit up a light in me about you that I think has made this relationship special because it was like, I threw out the canary in the coal mine and, uh, you know, and you were there for it. Hmm. And, and you just, it, it just kind of spilled out of you. And I was like, I like this, 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 this is what I actually need. You know, hmm. this is actually what I need as well. I kind of feel have like it's level. what everybody needs, frankly. I, it's definitely what everybody needs, but at least that's, I, I can't say definitely, but all signs point to this. You know, we had, this- I definitely think everyone needs honest relationships. Yes. The, deg- the, the, the degree of the depth of conversation that can vary. Some people just don't need that. And some people know? could care less and don't know. And some people could care less. It's like, yeah. That's great. Good for you. Bless yeah. your heart. And it's knowing not to poke at that because you get so caught up in feeling how well this serves you and how well it might serve somebody else. You can get caught up in like continuing to beat the dead horse with some people. And you're like, you're, you're going to make this worse. You got to leave these people alone. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I mean, that- I, I know I run into that. I feel like I've um, early in this, let's call it the the first year of this journey. I had a very strong urge to suddenly like try and help everybody. You know, like I had seen some something that other people hadn't seen, and that like I needed to share that. And um, I think it's just one of the many traps that are set along this fun path. You know, where if you do that now you're trying to control something again, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's less shitty than what you were doing before. Now you're trying to help somebody else instead of just garnering, you know, things for yourself, but you're still trying to control. And therefore there's a bunch of fear and desire and whatever associated with it. You're still going to be in a living hell. Yeah. Yeah. And those traps are just like, it, 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 they're definitely at so many stages and you're, you know, you can get to a place where you feel that you're at a great place. You feel the, yeah. the, the equilibrium in 
your mind and body and spirit and, and how it's how you're void of even trying to portray it, but you're still on it, you know, and there's still traps even there. And it's, 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 it's very convincing. And I don't know, sometimes you wake up to it when you're, you know, you're in that trap and vulnerable and someone kind of says something to you and you're like, ouch. Yeah, I guess, I guess that is kind of what, what's happening right now. I guess that is what, what I'm doing. You know, and it's, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm now at a place where you could take that as this thing that triggers like, well, what the fuck, you know, how, how dare this and how dare that, and, you know, or convince yourself that it's not a trap. You're not in a trap at all. Yeah. And now it's just, uh, it's almost enlightening in itself that, wow the claws of this are so far up this tree, you know, <laughs> and you get excited because you're like, wow, well, if I'm recognizing it now, I get to get rid of this. Right. So I, so I get to just kind of move optimally on this thing because thank you for giving me the gift of seeing uh, my folly at this moment where I thought that I had been elevated. I you know? find myself cackling sometimes when I finally come to the realization of what I'm doing. Yeah. Especially oh, yeah. when it's one of those double-headed coins where like, there's something really good about what you've broken through on. And then mm -hmm. it's like, if you, if you care about it or you think it means something or you think it makes you something, mm -hmm. it's just like stepping into fucking quicksand and you just disappear yeah. into it. And it's just like, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, these some of the things that get pointed out are still things that you really need to address. It's not all just it's not all just wow, thank you for giving me the gift to get better. It's yeah, I guess I have been taking advantage of this aspect of this relationship. I've been taking advantage of someone and I was so naive to it. And yeah, but that's a that can be a packaged thing. That doesn't sound like a or to me. That sounds like a because to me, when I discovered um, a truth, it, especially if it was underneath a story I've been telling myself, yeah, then there's <clears throat> like a big piece of that, like getting the fuck over it, is mourning those you hurt, and then also like what I've lost because of that behavior or because of what things I was not able to do because I was terrified or whatever. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. The morning part is, a, is, is a big one, you know, like there's, there's a lot of loss that happens when um, you do come to these realizations of your actions and there's also even a loss of, there's a mourning of an expectation that you really didn't maybe feel was um, out of the ordinary. But now when, when certain expectations aren't met that are even simple, there's a mourning to that expectation that eventually will lead to an easier, more accessible place for you to kind of... Um, surrender and re reevaluate that hierarchy of what you think you actually need 
you know, and it's, um, there's a lot of loss in this process, a loss of, of, uh, of old versions of yourself, maybe whole relationships with other people, um, and just versions of people as well. And I think that there's a, um, that was a big part that was missing for a little while, at least for me, was stepping into that really uncomfortable space to feel the the suffering or the pain mm. of a of, of a circumstance or or anything like that to then allow myself to grieve because you have to let go of these things to then move on to like reevaluating it um through the lens of of your your more uh, heightened perception you know and uh because it's like i can tell myself to let go, surrender, you, you, you have too much control, all of these things. But they, they lack a lot of like foundational, uh, they, it lacks a lot of foundation because I'm not digging into the nuances of what will lead you to being able to actually practice these things. And the nuances in all of the little dynamics of your actual life circumstance. And everyone's is different. Everyone's is different. And addressing all those tiny little pieces. And those little pieces for me was, was just... Um, um, different pockets of grief for, for, for different things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, very necessary. And it really doesn't end. Uh, I don't think, I think it's, I, I think that grieving part is like the, the most important part to bridge your most ignorant part to your most non-ignorant part. Because you're, you, you really are the theme of everything is letting go. And right. our, our, condition our ego that kind of perceives everything is is continuously holding on to everything and it's created this entire matrix structure of what reality is and uh and you have to kind of grieve this idea that this isn't that reality well once you grieve it because you're so attached to it you get so excited afterwards the meta It's, it's, it's powerful you're free the meta grieving I've been doing for months has been after a heroic trip. And <clears throat> I saw what was, has been described as the turning, like of the great, like cyclical infinite web and weaving of time and space and whatever. And, you know, you go through these experiences and suddenly, you know, you don't think anything, you just embody somehow this knowledge that was not there before that, oh, I am everything, everything is everything, like we're all connected. And that this is, you know, when you're coming in and out of those experiences, or at least for me and other things I've read like it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we've been here thousands of times before, like, this is, you know, while we're on the rodeo, whatever. And the meta morning that's associated with that is the thing that I'm starting to conclude is that the universe is God, meaning everything. Everything is everything. Everything is God. Everything is everything. Everything is energy. This is, this is what seems to be true. And, you know, if you are everything, know everything then there's nothing to be surprised by. There's no entertainment. There's nothing to engage with. You can't surf because there's no, there's no, 
there's no force to go against, right? To, to have that sort of action. And so I get the impression that this entire experience of life is just, you know, a lonely, a lonely existence going out to experience things. And there's just something that has been crushing my heart about the idea that we're all still just the one thing. And it's so beautiful at the same time, right? Because it, it, believing that eliminates virtually all problems and certainly all conflict because it'd be like the two fingers on your hand fighting like what <laughs> it's preposterous right mm -hmm. if you were from if you look at a far enough vantage point that's what it looks like we're doing on earth it's preposterous mm -hmm. and um and but if you play it out to its final conclusion then we are still alone in that we are still all the one and the everything, but it's still like, there's still a piece of it that is to be mourned, at least for me. Like I, and what's interesting about it is it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Like the, the idea that my mind has encapsulated this thing that it could be true. And it's not even necessarily that I believe that it is true. I believe that it could be true and it feels true. And so I yeah. think there's value in mourning the possibility, right? Because it's like, I think that's how the shadow gets built is by not mourning or exploring or dancing with the things that scare you. And then they build up and they like get toxic. And like the further down you bury them, the more they like boil, right? It's like burying them closer to the center of the earth. And then it comes exploding up out of a volcano at some point and suddenly you're in jail or on the news. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I don't even know if it needs to scare you. With uh, it doesn't shadow. have to scare you. It's unexplored territory. And usually yes, things yes. that are permanently unexplored say. territory unexplored. is because you're afraid to go there. Usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's something that's in like a normal line of a human endeavor, right? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like the nature of aggression, right? That's, that's right, kind of exactly. a very typical one of the Perfect. shadow that doesn't need to scare you. But if it's kind of told to you that that is a part of you to always kind of control and suppress, then you don't know what your capability is uh, when it when um, it then now um, steers the ship all of a sudden. Now you, you've never had time to kind of iron out um, the utility of what this thing is. So all you have left is just reaction. Well, and you know? that's the story of of my you know, adolescent life is because my father was such a tyrant and, you know, overly masculine in many ways, I suppressed a lot of those instincts. And so when I got in that fight with Anthony, who I had on a couple episodes ago, um, that was the first time I'd ever hit somebody with the intent to hurt them in my whole life. Mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, like that's crazy. And, um, and even like I used to beat the shit out of my brothers, but I never hit them with the intent to hurt them. I hit them with yeah. the intent to terrorize them, which is arguably yeah. worse, by the way. Um, but it it Com still matters. Compounding that, like, terrorizing Tafo. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But in my mind, it wasn't it wasn't that aggressive act. It was passive aggressive, right? I was a very passive yeah. aggressive person, mm -hmm. and um, and so part of the things like that to talk about jujitsu, like. I feel better at jujitsu now than I did two years ago, and I'm a trash heap. And I think one of the things is that now I have full access to my faculties, meaning like mm. 
if I have the moment and I need to fucking be aggressive and explode, I just do. Whereas before there was like some kind of blocker there, like deep, mm -hmm. deep in the mind, like nowhere near a conscious choice, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I can only assume that because you're, you're falling into more wholeness that you now have more control in these kind of spaces that require you to be very versatile with your emotions and your tactics and all that stuff. Cause I was, I, I was the same way when I started. I just, I'll always remember I was a white belt and I was almost on my way out of being a white belt and uh, a purple belt who I really respected all the purple belts. I just, they were like, they seemed like, you know, characters out of gods of war to me because I just couldn't, couldn't believe what they were capable of. Yeah. yeah, super durable. And it was just, I think the fascination was that they were only two belts away from me. Right. How and, can you be this much like, better? <laughs> yeah, but they pounded me just like a black belt almost felt like once in a while. I'm like, mm -hmm. what's happening? But I know that that also comes from just my inexperience of just being on the mat too. But I just idolize them. And I remember him saying like, I was rolling and he's like, Harry, just get more aggressive, get a little meaner. And mm -hmm. in just 20 seconds, that that being aggressive, which really just meant not allowing somebody to uh, advance into a position that was more optimal for them, blocking a knee or just really working hard to retain my guard for 30 seconds. Yeah. And once once that I was told that, it just woke me up to what was missing and what I know I I think I intentionally kept myself from doing because like I said before, if it's unexplored, you don't know how you, you don't know how to turn it your, on or, or you don't know how to turn it. on and you don't know how, how just um, how your mind is going to react when you, when you do turn it on. So it would just kind of, it felt so foreign to me, but to be able to um, explore it, control it, luckily in a control setting like jujitsu, you really get to kind of get to define for yourself what aggression is and and uh, the utility of it in, in in being and also being so controlled with it there's so many and, benefits um, to jujitsu it's ridiculous you oh, have the tons. physical it's, benefit could, right like i could mentally just you know masturbate over jujitsu the whole time i really could people I, I can get very annoying with it and i know how to regulate it and i don't but it's it's it's, it's hard not to and i know you get it just there's so many doors that it opens up or just if nothing else, especially for anybody, insane. anybody who has even slightly narcissistic personality issues, which I sure as shit did, which by the way, anybody who's suffering from that, like, just know it's because you're hurt. Like, it's not your fault. Yeah. You're just a hurt kid. We all are. Mm -hmm. um, but jujitsu is such a beautiful antidote to so much of that because you can't escape the fact that somebody 70 pounds lighter than you is beating the fucking shit out of you like you are a helpless goddamn child and not once but over and over and over again right for months right. months for months and if you have the fortitude to stick with that the value to your ego is immeasurable because it hones off those sharp edges really nicely really yeah. nicely <laughs> really nicely yes and it's and and it's you know i know what you mean by like the first few months when everything is so novel and it's you know you're you're in an ocean don't know how to swim type of kind of feeling but it's like the, 
the beatings never end in this in a certain sense they just get worse you're just equipped to maybe deal with it better you know because mm-hmm. as as you get better people feel that you can take more so if you become a purple belt right. the brown belts want to just wipe the floor with you and the black belts want to wipe the floor with you too because they expect so much more from you and it is kind of a a beautiful mechanism that's built into it where you don't expect much from yourself as a white belt but then the moment you become a blue belt you're like wait all my training partners feel so much different because what they want to do is they know that you can take more and because you can take more it's now time for you to feel (laughs) what a blue belt should feel right you know not a white belt i think the worst experience going and going is going to your first tournament as a blue belt because your last tournament as a white belt, you, you know, multi-stripes, you've been there for years, you're starting to get good. Right. And so you had, mm-hmm. you, you probably just meddled, or if you didn't meddle, you had a good run. Like you felt great. Right. And, yeah. and then you show up to blue belt and it's just, you get massacred or maybe oh, yeah. at best you survive. Right. <laughs> like, oh, definitely at best you survive or you get into a really, uh, unorganized tournament <laughs> and your first fight is like with some purple belt who doesn't have anybody to go with in his bracket that happened to me twice and oh my god that, my very first match in my very first tournament was with a blue belt i was like is this a mistake but it's just <laughs> it's just how fucking There's no it's, white it's just how the weight. yeah the you, and then you like, it's the more important for the how weight it is. to match than the belt it's like exactly. that doesn't make any damn sense. Exactly. Luckily, I survived that. And somehow, for some reason, in the gi, I tried a Peruvian necktie, but Bamboo's <laughs> just sitting there, like, shaking his head, but, like, try to finish it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's, it's, like you, it's like you say. It's, it's you know, when, when you're there and in the moment, and if you're just flowing, then you're just attacking. It made sense to do it. I could get it. I mm-hmm. could get him in that move. Obviously, it's more it's it's typical in nogi, but you know, at that level, everything is just so automated. You're just hope you're hoping that you've pressed in enough muscle memory to have your uh, unconscious mind recall things when uh, you get in trouble. What well, what I got and out of just, Hickson's book, Breathe, which I miss called flow i think originally when i was trying to talk to you about it um for me what i got out of that book is that's a man who's been surrendering to the flow of life for a very long time Mm -hmm. and if you do the work to know what to do which is a prerequisite right like you can't escape that then once you've done that the best thing you can do is to shut up and get the fuck out of the way and let the universe take over. And I think Mm -hmm. that idea of surrendering, you know, when you looked at Aldo and uh, McGregor, Aldo didn't surrender. He was fucking terrified. And McGregor was in the goddamn pocket. He couldn't lose. The universe was flowing through him and it, it gave him the exact perfect microsecond. And he had that he had that lightning in a bottle for some time and unfortunately for us fans 
he then caught cocaine and whatever the hell else has been going on in his life and spiraled him out of fucking control because it's been a disaster and it's so sad to watch. But yeah, I mean, we've seen it a trillion times, right? With child actors and like, Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's the story at the top of that arc, you know, I don't well, know. That's the problem. If you don't, yeah. <clears throat> the thing that makes Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps is unfortunately a feeling of not being enough, right? There's mm-hmm. a reason why he's now a spokesman for a fucking therapy app. Yeah. You don't, you don't become the, the most decorated Olympian because you felt like your, your love was free flowing in your house. You know, and yeah. I'm not shitting on his parents because they also created Michael fucking Phelps, right? Like, right. You can't. And Michael Phelps also isn't done yet, too. Right. Like, exactly. look at Mike Tyson, right? Exactly. Mike Tyson had one of the worst stories. Yes. But my God, yes. the sage that that man has become this is, is right. so deeply beautiful. Who's to say what's good or bad? We yeah. know nothing, Jon Snow. That That quote means more to me every day you know i don't think that that was an accidental trope that fell into game of thrones like i think that had a deeper philosophical meaning you know that okay even though you're like the fucking hero you don't know Mm -hmm. a fucking thing right Right. even though you're the chosen one you Mm -hmm. don't know anything so Mm -hmm. so stop being so goddamn cocky and do your job (laughs) yeah exactly and, you know, and on, an, on a, a little lower level than that, it's like, you know, we need to give credence to the possibilities of being on the other side of anything, right? You, you've mentioned this thing, just kind of getting out of the way and sometimes allowing for the travesties to happen to some people. Because if, um, if, you, if, if you intervene, and I don't mean like not pushing a carriage out of the fucking highway. Yeah. yeah but if you course. don't, but if you like, if you intervene, the you line between help and enablement is fucking razor thin. Yeah. Razor and you thin. end up dismantling what kind of gifts they could get if they so choose to voyage into something darker, which then becomes more profound by, yeah. um, by their circumstance, you know, and you just, you pull the rug right out from underneath them in a weird way. And I, I've suffered this at many of my jobs where, you know, there's been a, a person or a team or a department or a division or something where there's some sort of systemic problem. And I'm so worried about how I look yeah. that I refuse to let that insufficiency be known by anybody. So mm-hmm. I end up working 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week to cover up for it. And I get the optics of the result, right? Because the client never knows that what shit fuckery was going on necessarily, but then the problem never gets systemically solved. And so, you know, that's part of the surrender experiment is you can't be the hero all the time. Like part, part of the, part of the journey is it's like not being able to see your kid upset if that's true you're going to have a very pathological child yeah definitely the things you will do to stop them from being upset are going to make them very sick Mm -hmm. and um 
Right. And I guess it's the, it's it's the the chosen mode in which you try to dampen that bad thing, right? Like they're going to feel bad, but if you give them the space to express as much as they can, well what is this? Let's let's do this. Let's talk. Or is it um, appeasement, right? Sometimes by kind of granting things to them that then gets them out of that space. Well, that's, and imagine that's a very this now different in a corporate thing. environment, right? Like yeah. people are afraid to hurt other people's feelings, either by yeah. giving negative feedback, by delivering bad news, right? And it's that fear of watching somebody else be hurt. That's what it really is. It's not even necessarily about how you're going to feel necessarily meaning like the direct impact to you it's that like you as a person are unable to see someone else in distress that's a super common yeah. theme mm-hmm. and honestly i think that's one of the most like nefarious things going on in the world today is that because part of surfing is falling you know you can't just surf and like only get the fun part. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to that black swan kind of concept or anti-fragility. Like in order to be anti-fragile, you must be constantly getting exposed to hazard so that you can yeah. adapt and get better and like learn, right? And it's this protection mechanism and it's under the guise of, I don't want you to get hurt, but it's not really. It's that I can't stand to see you hurt because you being hurt triggers the hurt in me. And I didn't, I can't handle that because I've been burying that for decades. So no, thanks. Right. Right. Now, when you say that you're seeing that more just kind of in the landscape of whatever culture, our society, it's like, what does that, what does that look like to you? What are these kind of like um, more immediate, um, more immediate what do you call it just examples i just find that people are just of conflict avoidant yeah know? and that didn't appear to be the case in the mid 20th century let's say right mm-hmm. like if just go back and watch the tv shows from that time frame like it was very high conflict at least in terms mm-hmm. of what was espoused as commonplace. I don't know if that was necessarily like aspired to, right? But it was like yeah. clearly not something that would have like raised eyebrows if somebody got decked at a bar on a Friday night. Whereas now, mm-hmm. like, I think that would be a fairly unusual com- occurrence, especially in suburbia, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas I-, I think there was just all kinds of continuous conflict. Now, is that healthy conflict? Probably not. I think there's a lot of things that um, need to be handled in much different ways. However, what we have now is, you know, we can't have Trump on Twitter because it hurts my fucking feelings or because I'm, I'm afraid of what he's going to do because, right. like, whoa, what? Like, he's the president of the fucking United States or was like... Mm-hmm. What? Now, don't get me wrong. He should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law for any crimes that he has committed. Don't. There's nothing about him I'm trying to protect. Right. I think the guy's a bastard. I think there's many yeah. things about him that are fucking despicable. However, mm-hmm. 
free speech people please can we what yeah and his, his existence you know even if you don't like him you know it doesn't have to be attached to like the ebb and flows of your emotions and so many people are attaching figures and icons and political phenomenons to their to really their their well-being and i you know it's i think it goes back to some stuff that, that we've we've both talked about with each other where it's like all of this stuff can be mitigated with you just doing the work into yourself right like it's okay to have conflict but if you don't have a uh, if you haven't i wonder if if you haven't done any work towards self actualization if you have the grace to be able to have very difficult conversations with people with the aim to have some kind of not even resolution but agreement even in disagreement if you're not it's a bad female communication. if you're not a female and therefore naturally prone to be more feminine and therefore naturally prone to have higher empathy then and combined with the fact that virtually everybody walking this fucking earth is traumatized like yeah if you haven't been on, on the start of a journey like the odds that you're going to, to be capable of that are basically zero right i mean i it's a double-edged sword because i i I think more people are getting curious about looking at themselves in a very scary and honest way because of all of the rising just um, strife that's happening, even internally. You know, we're at a place now where depression is so sky high, suicidal uh, rates are insane, anxiety and Autoimmune conditions, autoimmune conditions, all all this stuff. It's hundred percent, right? All of it, obesity, all of it is inflammatory. Everything, and the genesis to many of these things. I wonder if they come from an explosion of conflict that just has not been internally resolved. I think so. I think so too. And and it's the body keeps the score. Right. But if everybody's doing it, then who do you go to? to well, be that's able the problem, to right? It's fish and th- water. Throw the idea, hey, should we be looking at this stuff? Can I look at it through you and you can look through yours through me? Like, if we're all fucked up, then it's like there's no one to turn to, you know? Everybody's just bouncing off, of, bouncing off each other. Like, the 60s, the 60s was a fucking truth bomb, right? Psychedelics showed people an amount of like capital T truth that the world was simply incapable of translating into the way they were operating at that time. Mm-hmm. Society was going to fall apart. I actually think that banning psychedelics was the right thing to do at the time, because if it had continued to go that way, things would have collapsed in a way that would have been violent and just very bad. I think on like, if you had to rate it good to bad, I think it would have been a very bad outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, it's unfortunate that that happened because everybody since then has been lacking access to this, like just spiritual source of like, Oh, you know, something that can just like, 
to me, it feels like being able to connect with nature and engage with a variety of plant medicines. Yeah. It's like taking like those white noise machines, right? It's, it's as if from the time you're born, it starts dialing up, right? And the more crazy shit that happens to you, and then therefore the more crazy shit you react to, and then that creates more reactions, right? Like, it's just like you keep turning the dial to the point where mine was so loud to get anything through it. It was like, everything had to be peak volume. And now that I've been going through all of these experiences, it's just like the opposite has been happening. It's just like, it all starts to just dial down and you can just see what is. And, um, and I think what's in the way of seeing what is, is that fear of feeling those things that are inside, you know? Right. Well, I think that what you're talking about is a very positive, um, effect of living right now and what i mean by that is these kind of two phases of psychedelic renaissance we're in one right now yeah, which I, which 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 i love and i'm very deep into it um just in information and gathering but that's the thing it's like people forget that the boomers took all of these and because it was so novel they just went on experience without any understanding of what the thing. Um, there's no ceremony how, to it. No, nothing divine there, about it. Th right. There's no ceremony. And there's can you no imagine going to a party work. and somebody just spiked the fucking bowl with acid? Can you fucking imagine that? Right. That's insane no. that that's a story of things that happened more than once. Yes. Oh, totally. And the after effect of that, of that decade was that, it made everybody focus on themselves more. It actually birthed a lot yes, more yes. egocentric people. That's right. Because as, as powerful as these things were, are, they have, you just, all you do is now just turn the coin and now you have this the spiritual ego. Spiritual ego, right? Which is more powerful it's because it's, it's righteous. It's very righteous. That's the beauty and it, of it. And That's what and, I love about it is the farther, yeah. quote unquote, up the ladder you climb, the more dangerous everything becomes, right? It's like in a video game. It's like, yeah, yeah okay, you, you're you in the next level. But guess what, Pumpkin? It just got way yeah, harder. Yeah. And the shit that's going to come at you is going to come from areas you are not expecting. And, yeah. and the best part is you will be get delivered gifts. So you will be convinced that like you are something. Right. And it's mm -hmm. just like the whole thing is, um, right. oh, I just love it. It's so fucked. <laughs> oh, it is. It's, it's totally fucked. And they've coined this, this term. I think it was in the eighties of the, the spiritual bypass where it's like, you go through these experiences or, um, no, you go through really these experiences. Time. Yeah. You, you, you go through them and, um, uh Oh, I'm having a brain fart here. <laughs> yeah. You go through them. And you feel so intoxicated by this sense of enlightenment that you you conceptualize only like the 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 surface ideas of what is intoxicating you. Oh my God, we're so one, and your love, right. and this right. and that, and we we should just meditate and all that stuff. But 
the bypass part is that like you you haven't done any internal work you're just taking on the character of a spiritual voyager with all of the kind of little like bumper sticker kind of um um ideas about it and giving it to you're like an avatar or like a caricature of the thing yeah absolutely well, and, here's and my and interpretation. It's still, it's still used to avoid your bullshit. Yes, and the right. whole and the whole point of what I'm that's telling right. you this is that as this phase ended, we're now in a place where we have more integration work. We know more about how to utilize just one experience and to and to spread it out into how to use it towards ourselves, our relationships, and what to actually do even in the experience to go but deep despite into the, the fact thing that that knowledge difficult. is available it is not broadly understood so now that we're talking about it it's worth saying out loud for anybody who's listening this far into this um to hear it like my interpretation what's of what not happens, understood what's up what's not understood what i'm about to say yeah so i think that people get into psychedelics either recreationally or just with reckless abandon, not understanding like what is on the other side, like what is possible for them to see or feel or experience. My interpretation of what happens with psychedelics is that you are awoken from the dream that you're in, which is life. And you suddenly, you are literally taken out of this quote unquote body. And you are suddenly infused with all the knowledge of the universe you can know anything you want you are everything so you can just like it's like you just suddenly have it all but your puny fucking human mind would explode if it tried to take a quintillionth of what you suddenly just know like you're just around and you're just like oh oh like you watch that five meo dmt ceremony right and what is the guy saying as he's coming up oh my god oh my right it's just like the realizations are just like holy fucking shit and there's nowhere for it to land there's your database has no space for it all and so Mm -hmm. if you don't have any framework at all for trauma for like these out-of-body experiences like meditation like if you have none of that at all and you just suddenly go do something like with some buddies on a weekend or god forbid by yourself like yeah holy shit no wonder people could have a psychotic break like yeah to go off and suddenly you know assume that even if what i'm saying isn't true but it's what feels true after doing what i'm talking about right yeah to come back from that and like you got nowhere for that to land nowhere around no one around you has any idea what the fuck you're talking about you sound like an mm-hmm. absolute insane person right i was talking to a yeah, friend I mean, of mine that happened to him when he was like 19 and he and he was like dissociated for a while from like society you know it's like yeah what do you do right well and i and i think that it, it, it kind of goes back to a little bit of my point of just kind of being in this time, like we can choose to, to indulge in anything. Right. Mm-hmm. But the wonderful part is that we now have the things to be able to have the choice to indul- indulge in, which is more research, more understanding, more integration work, mm-hmm. bringing in more under, um, um, having a better understanding of more uh, shamanic rituals and how they uh, help people integrate these experiences into their lives in a very pragmatic way, right? What if you can't if you can't pragmatically 
bridge the oh my god i'm everything experience right to what do i do tomorrow to what do i do tomorrow and what do i do when my father calls me tomorrow right start there how about you start there i really don't give a fuck if you feel that you're everything and that even if that's true i really don't give a shit Right. These because how are you of service? Fucking, how are you of right, service? You're of no today? service. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's and, why you have I, to do the work on yourself. Because if you don't, if you do you not go inside, go that deep that soon. No, you don't. You just have to stop yeah. running from feelings. You don't have to discover anything. Yeah. Just stop running. The next yeah. time you get overwhelmed with something and you feel your chest compressing and you have mm-hmm. the urge to say something aggressive or run away or do whatever, just don't. Yeah, You have the control to not do that and just sit there and let the feeling wash over you like a tidal wave. And if that right. you have to close your eyes and if it means you cry, it means you tremble, it means whatever. Just yeah. so what? Right. So what? And if your psychedelic experience fl- uh, flavors your your th- that experience, your ability to do that, then that's what it's there for, right? Exactly. It's exactly. It, like I don't know how it serves you by like. Well, you look at only ayahuasca. Look, only, only, only looking for the elves. I've never right? done ayahuasca, but you hear the stories about it, and like a lot of the stuff, I would have no idea what someone would do with it. You know, with the the animal spirits and like the geometry and all this stuff. And there are a lot of ways in which it does metaphorically make sense. And Jordan Peterson has been one of the greatest, which is such a random thing, because I don't even know if he's in the psychedelics, but his whole Maps of Meaning project was mm-hmm. so great in helping me think metaphorically, which has been unbelievably useful in starting to try and bridge these worlds. because. Every single fucking thing in this world that we call a universe, a realm, whatever, is like a mythology. Everything mm-hmm. is. It's all, everything we're just choosing to believe because it serves some purpose in a story we're like we're trying to interact with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, it's impossible to know any truth, right? Like, what I think this thing looks like, it's not a thing. It's not. It's just energy. And my puny little human mind can pick up some small amount of wavelengths that make it look like a thing, right? Like everything's a goddamn hologram Uh scientifically. Like you can't, you can't get away from the fact that everything you experience is actively a hologram. It is not what you see. It's just Mm -hmm. not, it is, we see a giant, a giant, a tiny subset of what is quote unquote real, even if you assume that any of it is real. Because again, you can never escape a 50% chance that we are in a simulation, that this isn't based reality. Right. And and even even that, and I'm sure that you know kind of like how to uh, pedal through this, but it's like, even that, it's it's fascinating. So then let's let's work backwards, right? Like some people, it's like, it's, you, you reach that, you reach that, oh my God. What is this reality? This isn't real. And then we work backwards. Or some people take the very beginning step, the first step. And maybe the first step is the realization of, wow, life has suffering, right? The first noble truth. And you either walk towards the reality part or the reality, reality part walks backwards. And my, mm-hmm. and, and, and my, my thing is that 
great. Okay. I like, what is this white cup? Like all of the reality breakdown kind of theology of just this matrix. Then let's, let's trace it back to something that we can use. Cause I don't know how to use that. Let's pretend I don't know how to use that. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. This is cool. I'm fascinated, but it doesn't help me that my grandmother has died. So it's like, I'm very well, much the, into, the piece that for me that helps if when like, cause my grandmother's 90. Mm-hmm. So we're facing an inevitable scenario here, right? I mean, we're all going to mm-hmm. die, but like she's 90. Yeah. And she is the closest thing to a Buddha I've met in my life. And so it's going to be a big deal for me and for my whole family and for probably the community around her, you know, but I'm not afraid of it. And I, I expect it to hurt a lot, but the way that I, I get value out of this, this, the, the meta of this is that if I see it as surfing, it's like, well, sometimes you got to dip into it. And like, sometimes it's just not, you don't get to choose the wave. The wave is there and you're either on it or you're fucking crashing. Mm-hmm. And I'd prefer to be on it. And so to ride the wave at a funeral is like, man, it hurts so much. But how beautiful is that hurt? Because it, it wouldn't hurt that much if we didn't have so much between us, right? Like all the things. And then you can celebrate the beauty in the hurt and still mm. feel the hurt. Yeah. And so to me, those are the things that become very utilitarian in terms of like how I operate in day-to-day life, because it's like, okay, yes, suffering just is, and it's fucking unavoidable. And I can't sit and stay up at night because there's starving children in Africa, because there's also starving children in South America and also starving children in Asia. And it's just like everywhere there's fucking pain and suffering and there always will be. And Mm -hmm. that is the inevitable outcome of yin yang Shiva Shakti, right? The, the eternal dance of you call it good, evil, whatever you want, the light and the dark, the, uh, the light side and the dark side. I don't think one can be extinguished in either direction. I think you can get swells in one way and then it's like a crash back and then, but it's like uh, oil and water in a globe. Right. Right. 50, 50, yeah. shake yeah. it up. You can make it look certain things, but it's, it's, it, mm. it can't be escaped. It's just there. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually supposed to be escaped. Like, like you're, I, I think emphasizing I here, you know, like there's, there's this, misrepresentation of what kind of sometimes entails this uh this path in a way i guess if you want to call it that which is like a total divorce of anything that kind of brings you discomfort you know and i'm 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 not there yet but i get the inclination that the 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 great lesson of just being uh entails that none of these emotions are 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 um they're meant to be a part of you. They're meant to be experienced. If, if, 
if you're clinging to not having, then you've just created an internal war, which will never get you right. into the door that you're craving to get into. <laughs> it's all paradox. That's so that's like the like the fifth layer mind fuck, right? It's like yeah, it's that is the exact kind of cosmic fuckery that I love. It's just yeah. every every plateau you get to that looks like you're there, it's just yeah. you haven't walked far enough on the plateau to see the next stairway. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's. It's, it's, it's beautiful when you get a, uh, a peek at it, but it's, at least in my case, it's like when I get a peek at it, it's like I have to save it because I don't feel like I've done enough on the plateau I'm just standing on now. I feel like I barely understand That's it. That's a pathology but I think too. Right. Be careful with that. Right. Right. Because you feel like you either don't deserve it or you're not worthy. Right? Like there's, and I'm it's not, not that saying I, that there's yeah, not the universe telling you something either. Right. Like I'm not, but be Right. It's the um, that's the yin and the yang is like, OK, maybe I do have something to in, and intuit it. Right. And think and, you know, let it let it present itself if that's true. But also consider, am I telling myself a story mm-hmm. and see, is it just that I I don't want to become. I wonder if you fear becoming what you criticize. Oh, yeah, I mean. You fear what you judge. You fear yeah. what you criticize. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's if you and if you go farther, faster, then are you are you the one who's out there espousing nonsense? Right. Like, I wonder if you're just afraid to get out over your skis. Yeah, and the thing is, is I think that at least in this situation, the thing, the plateau that's that's on the horizon by its nature, there's nothing to spout because all you are is being. You're letting go of all the books. You're letting go of all the self-help fucking audio tapes. It's Which, by the way, can we talk, can we take an aside on that real quick? The self-help thing? Yeah, what do you mean? I don't think it's an avoidable part of the path. I think there's a part of you in any human development, like in the same way you can't skip like the adolescent stage of a human being right? oh yeah the way the mind works whatever yeah i don't think you can necessarily skip the self-improvement part of the human evolution of like once you realize you're not doing the right things like that you're hurting people and that there's yeah. things about you to optimize or whatever yeah but it's so fucking toxic it might be like the most toxic thing because it actually helps you run from your feelings faster and better yeah it makes you better it's 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 It's, the bypass yeah it's the i got so good at being productive and never being alone and with my thoughts that i nearly killed myself yeah and i think that that so i think what's happening in society is actually a bifurcation i think what we have is the ultimate manifestation of a hyper masculinized society that lost touch with everything creative and feminine and empathic and was entirely focused on stuff and power and control and whatever. And all the fallout from that, the sickness, the, the, you know, PTSD, the, the, and all the ways in which that manifests, right. Physically. And, and then on the other side, I think that the same the same internet 
that is causing the highest teen suicide rates probably in history is the same internet that's allowing us to do this podcast. Yeah. And I have had multiple people reach out to me and say that this has been meaningful to them in some way. So in a way that may have been life-saving, I'm not mm-hmm. claiming that I don't, I'm not trying to build it up, but just like, but the point is, yes, it, it does have downsides, but it also has these upsides. So I see what I see happening is this like inverted bell curve where the fucking insanity of this woke mob and the, the, the fucking alphabet soup, like, why do we need more letters? Wasn't the whole point of plus that it meant everything else under the like, anyway, another topic for another day. Yeah, very, very big topic. And I think, <laughs> I think you can overlap much of what we're saying into that and have the conversation yeah. respectfully, gracefully. Well, and, and like, the thing um, is, like, I don't want to feel feelings. And so, like, you can't make me feel that way. Yeah. So I'm going to stop you from being able to exist on Twitter or exist at your job or whatever. And yeah. that's not to say that there's not monsters out there, right? Like, oh, totally. the, whole, the whole Me Too movement was fucking so, yeah. so so overdue honest to god i was in a i was in a trance i had no fucking idea what was going on because it wasn't me and i couldn't fathom it so it's like how could what and because women i think felt threatened by men for so long that there was no trust to like share reality so it wasn't until probably 2015 that i got like the first view into like anything at all about what a woman's perspective was like. And it was yeah. it blew my fucking mind open. I was like, holy shit, this is what you deal with every day? Yeah. Especially living in a city? What? Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'm rambling. Yeah. No, I mean it's there's a lot, yeah, it's a lot going on. It's a lot to talk about, you know, a lot of things to have opinions on, right? But you know, the yeah. part of the sorry, what? No, I was just gonna say at the end of the day. The simplest thing you can do is try to heal yourself so that you can lead with love. Yeah. Right? Because if in any scenario, somebody is doing something that looks crazy, what would be a better thing to do than to love them? Like, do you think people are crazy because they just had a fucking birthday party thrown for them? No, they're crazy because they got fucking molested or beaten or fucking cigarettes put out on their face or like, right? Like fucked up shit happens to people. And the worst part is it doesn't even have to be that. It doesn't even have to be that crazy. It could just be that, you know, for decades, we just men weren't even in the delivery room and we completely like clinicalized birth and we took it from something that was like everybody just did it and it just happened to yeah. suddenly it was like a process to be a celebration of. to an emergency right exactly yeah um i don't even know where i was going with that area <laughs> it's all right jesus christ you're right i mean lead, you know lead with love and you just lead have with to love. be all- that's right yeah if you lead with love then it, it, for me that appears to be like I don't surf, so I can't, nor do I snowboard. So I don't know how to like, it's at the start of a role, right? Like when you're, when you're in jujitsu and you're getting ready to have a, a scramble, let's call it. Mm-hmm. 
when you go in, you don't go in with like up with your fist up, like exploding into it. It's like you go in with like an exploratory mindset, like what's in Mm -hmm. front of me here, Mm -hmm. which if you think about it is a somewhat loving engagement. It's just like, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to like, like we're here to compete. We're here to dance. Right. Right. Yeah. And if you translate that to life, it's like, if you show up and you're, and you're exploding at me, it's just like, whoa, the, the more relaxed and at peace with yourself, you can be the bigger parachute you can be for everybody else's whoa. Yeah. Right. For them to step out of bounds. And then when you Mm -hmm. don't react, it almost, it's the most fucking disarming thing in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they, first of all, they're expecting a reaction. And also, if you're there and you truly hold space for them and you demonstrate real empathy, it can, it can unleash a torrent for people, you know? And that, what, what bigger gift than to help people heal? And so you can take something that would have been an assault on you in your mind and you can turn that into a healing act with nothing mm-hmm. more than just, being there to love somebody and why not why wouldn't you want to just love every single person and thing you come across Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's if it feels that in the end it's kind of it's the goal of everyone the only reason that you you don't are all of these kind of parameters that we've kind of conditioned ourselves to kind of like embrace as this separateness, right? Your ego just kind of creates layers of separateness. You look like this, you wear this, this is the job that you do. I've attached monetary value to your self uh, value, all of these types of things. And, you know, they're all kind of, you know, not to use this kind of hijacked word, but it's, they are all real constructs that we've convinced ourselves that they oh, matter. And when they don't, all that's left is love. are mythologies love, like that operate in a consistent way. Yeah. Which, Which makes is it, interesting. It, it's hard. Like, if you think about what old mythologies were like, right? About like the myth of Icarus and all these other things. If, if it was, if believing it was true made the world operate in predictable ways, what makes it not true? Mm-hmm. right like we we think we know so much but it's only because we've convinced ourselves of what we see but we, it's like we've talked about we don't know a goddamn thing right and we're unlikely and I, ever to mm-hmm. well you know it's we can to a little degree and it's it's well, it's to a little practice. degree, it's it's through to, it's through having a practice, and I, it's not just meditation. It's it's what I've told you before. Like it's self inquiry, yeah. And self inquiry is inquiry is like it's the book that you fell in love with, right? What's his name, Michael Singer? Mm-hmm. The book is literally just that. The book is about it's it's wonderful because it's popularized self inquiry, right? Who am I? You know. Yeah, who am I? And that has been out for ages. Mm-hmm. It's been in, in ancient texts, all of these things, just described in a different way. But I think that he made it so palatable that it was a home run for people who just know nothing about it 
but can't stand the voice in their head. So then let's start with that. Let's make it simple for people what self-inquiry is. We won't and even that's the thing call is it I think, I think what will happen now with the internet and machine learning and just all of these, there's a sort of hive thing going on, a hive mind sort of effect. I was talking about this with Rose, who yeah. was uh, the very first guest on this podcast. Um, and I think what will end up happening is... Um, the translation of how to apply this to like everybody's wherever you are on the path is going to just fall out of the machine of billions of people and lots of folks waking up and the ability to share information in basically real time. I think, yep, I agree. And, and by the way, I think that's at a race against um, complete annihilation. Yep. Because at the same time, 20 years from now, you'll be able to 3D print a virus, whatever mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. And so we will be able to, anybody in the world will be able to destroy the whole human race. And if we haven't figured this out by then, night, night. Yeah. Now, Elon I mean, Musk's solution to this problem is an interesting one. But I actually think, you know, he might be the... um the grandest of all those deceived, right? Because to run to a whole nother planet, that's something. Yeah, it is something. That's something. Yeah. Now, it, at the it same time- a lot of things. At the same time, I, there's a lot, who's to say what's good or bad? There's the, I mean, this guy is, to me, the most interesting and the probably the most beneficial human that's lived in the last, I don't even know. I don't know, a very long time. And and he's, I don't know if it's even his fifties yet. I mean, the guy's just a fucking dynamo, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, he may be a grand propagator of running from what needs fixing. Because if you have a way off the ship, are you really going to put out the fire if it's burning? Yeah. Yeah. You just let it sink. You just jump off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and that's going to create, I think, I think I see these things all sort of crescendoing into each other, right? Like it's sort of the same time. Right. And I just find it hard to believe that that is a coincidence. Like it well, feels and, like part of like a, the final act of a play. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I wonder if there are other players in this race that actually will represent a little more of what you and I and millions of people kind of like are talking about and embracing, but that have the wherewithal and the intellect to maybe actually make a change. Like if you've listened to like Lex Friedman's podcast, right? Mm -hmm. He has many of the same um, goals and interests and fascinations as Elon Musk, but he's very much, um, he's in a very healthy way tethered to the human experience and the greatest of human experience which is love and yes. somehow bridging he's a beautiful that. man yes he's trying to bridge that for somebody who is so like ph- technical phenomenons stoic yeah. on the surface he's yeah. a really beautiful man like he's got a he's right he's so very open heart yes and it's someone like that that if he's not steering the ship i want him in that co-pilot seat so that we don't lose the the humanity in this new evolution of of man really 
well, in some why, of these endeavors. This is why I'm pro The Rock. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's another example of sort of like the pinnacle of like, sort of like the Will Smith um, phenomenon, which if can't recommend his autobiography enough it's fucking fascinating like it's he, crazy that you you got that before the slap i did and and i hadn't i it wasn't even in my like next to read queue yeah. it was just in the yeah. library and i felt compelled to get it when i saw it and i don't know why i don't remember why and as soon as i saw that i was like I wonder, I mean, like, there's got to be something in there. Yeah. And it was on the first fucking page. Yeah. I, well, I, just I, that that you told, just that you telling, you showing me that and I'm reading it. It's like, well, this is the perfect setup for you not recognizing a toxic relationship. Exactly. Which is, which is now the thing that has pushed you over the edge. And well, it's a start hitting peers. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's all crazy. But I'll tell you, if you read the autobiography, you don't need to know a fucking thing about human psychology. And now that you've seen the outcome, the whole thing will make sense. Like every fucking piece of it. Mm. I mean, his birthday party he threw for Jada's 40th. It was a multi-day event, obviously stuffed to the gills with famous people. And the like piece de resistance on the last day was... um, a documentary that he had made. So he'd hired people to make a documentary about her and like her ancestry and everything. And then like the end of it was a, um, like a a bunch of recordings of her grandmother speaking to people, her dead grandmother speaking to people in the family who are also in the audience. And I think the end of it was him, her speaking to Jada, I think. Anyway, like that night back at the hotel room. So she had not said anything to him there. Everybody was giving like a standing ovation, like people's tears in their eyes, whatever. She was stoic as fuck. Nothing said in the car ride back, gets to the hotel room. And she says something akin to, that was the most disgusting display of narcissism I've ever seen in my life. And it's true. And he admits to it. And I and I mm. saw it in myself because when I gave Mega 37th uh, surprise party, in retrospect, so much of it was about me. Mm-hmm. And, and you would never have been able to convince me of that in a million years at the time. Never would have been able to see it because I, I was also doing it for love, but like the underpit, like the thrust from underneath was look good, right? Get yeah. approval, seek love, whatever. And I mean, you know, he had a, a very different... Um, pinnacle in terms of like what did he get to and experience and how was the crash uh, than i did but man i'll tell you the pattern match every fucking thing in that in this whole story i was just like yep yep yeah yep oh my god yep yeah and, what's what do you think what, what like in that specific situation mm-hmm. what's the what's the aspect that then makes it narcissistic because he was doing it is it the audience is it no because it wasn't it wasn't in service it wasn't fully in service his hold on let me let me finish because i want to know if like a really good gift 
God, how do I say this? You know, he gives her that gift and it's narcissistic, but how do you make that gift, I guess, not narcissistic? Meg and I. How do you not have a home run of a gift that's divorced? Because that same gift could be a home run. It could, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Can it not be a home run? Yes. So Meg and I had multiple therapy sessions about my gifts to her and their insufficiency. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because they were insufficient in re- like, like as if they were disgusting gifts or like aberrations. It was that they were heartless, not thoughtless, heartless, because I was thinking with my mind and thinking, what would I want, or what would what would look good, what would represent gotcha. well, right? What would what it, what would make me look like I love her, right? Like, what would a boyfriend do, like? What does a boyfriend do in this scenario, right? Like that kind of like Zuckerberg, how do I drink water kind of shit? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So because I did it, I did it. I had the I had the party in my house and looking back on it, like I felt sick to my stomach the day after. Yeah. And is, I couldn't is... explain why. And in fact, I said to Meg, um, I think last year or the year before that like thinking about that party made me nauseous still wow. because like something in me knew about the impurity at the time. Yeah. Is spectacle a part of it? Like yeah, oh, having sure. people there, right? Oh, a hundred thousand percent. Yeah. And the, and for, so for this in particular, like I went to, to particular lengths where, you know, I had people park miles away and shuttled over so that like, she wouldn't be able to see the cars. And I like disabled the camera on the driveway. So she couldn't see people like coming right? Like little things that would make it more of a surprise, but not because I cared if she was surprised for her benefit. It was because like the effect would be bigger, which would like, yeah. glow from me right yeah. like if, if you're just being fucking honest about it yeah because those can be was. because those can be can look so thoughtful i'm like wow that's great effort to keep the surprise going like that's yes. wonderful and but, but here's the thing harry if if but you know if she doing. if if i knew she was a surprise fanatic right and surprises were her favorite thing then that would then yes but like she is closer to social anxiety than being a surprise fanatic, right? And so you could argue it's like almost a nightmare scenario. Like suddenly there's 40 people in my house and I didn't expect them here. What the fuck, (laughs) right? So there's another example of like, you can see where, was was it still a beautiful act? Sure, but it was impure. It was tainted. Yeah, yeah. And depending on how in tune you are, and at that time, you know, she was paying very close attention because he was a megalomaniac. He was the king of the fucking world. He had like 10 box office exploding movies, like over $300 million gross, like in a row. The guy was on top of the world. He couldn't miss. Yeah. Yeah. So, and especially if what caused that is deep, deep trauma, then- you know, that just creates a monster. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it kind of goes with the nature of why I think a lot of people probably even get into the business, which is just exactly lack, lack of attention. So then if you have some 
grand surprise for someone, it's hard not to question like, is this, is this for you? Do you want like a standing ovation? Cause I know right. this is kind of what you're used to type of That's shit. Right. That would be That's a really exactly hard right. relationship to have, you know, well, with somebody in that business. I'm sure she's not, you know, without her own trauma. Like she grew up in the streets with fucking Tupac. I don't think she exactly lived a cupcake life. Yeah. Right. Um, Oh, Chris Rock. Chris fucking Rock. I'll tell you what, man. Good for him. Good for him for having been able to go as far as he has on his journey. This is, oh, it's perfect. What a great fucking like turnaround or uh, callback. That's the perfect example of you do the work on yourself so that when somebody else needs the space, which is what it is when somebody comes up and slaps you in the fucking face on yeah. live television, right? Mm-hmm. That is somebody who has expanded their space need dramatically. Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to absorb that, right? Because think about it. There are so many different ways that could have gone oh, yeah. at the, at the moment, like at commercial break later in the night, when Will was on stage, like there are so many ways that could have been different. And Chris Rock has done enough work in his life that he was able to sit there and be like, Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Yeah. And that was kind of it. Well, and I also wonder if the environment played a big role because he's in the belly of the beast of a lot of very prudish people who it's like, it's almost like doing a comedy gig. You're in a tux. Like, are you going to throw down? You're in a tux. (laughs) It's like doing a comedy gig for people at like a fucking Hanover insurance party. Everything's got to be nice and clean. Everything's got to be cute. Oh my God, that's such a good fucking metaphor yeah because yeah because that's what these people are you know this is this is this is how it feels but if it was in the middle of some like really big club where you know the nature and wildness of a club is everybody's drinking everybody's drinking you know what i think would have happened was not a fight but i think chris probably would have fucking dialed it into him because he has the weapon of being such a veteran comedian yeah that he would have just destroyed will smith but he knew what he was doing because of where he oh, was man that's a really that good point so talk about other potential outcomes right he could have turned around and been like oh what's the matter fucking you know whatever whatever about her sleeping around whatever i mean right. he could have he had everything he had dude, every, he could have anything buried him in a right. way that like what keep my because by then security would have been ready to be involved right so yeah. like he wasn't going to make it back from his seat again. Yeah. So Chris could have basically spoken with impunity right. and he wouldn't have had to swear. He wouldn't have had to do anything that would have mm-hmm. been cut. Like, yeah. and he would have buried him into his knees. And yeah, that's I think what would, I mean. I, when I say I, I, you do the work to save right. space for other people when they're hurt, because it makes a softer landing. Right. Beautiful, buddy. Beautiful. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like that's kind of, yeah, I think that's a good ending. (laughs) Let's wrap on that. I'm so fucking tired. (laughs) Broken, (laughs) broken man. Uh, I also had like, um, my cousin shared a meme today that was like, I didn't get any sleep last night, but I did get a few hours of anxiety. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) yeah. Oh yeah. That, so I had a five 30 AM flight on Wednesday and uh, I slept at the airport because oh, to to be at 
to be at the you know airport at that time like you gotta be like in the airport by 4 30 and yeah. it's like well good god what do i gotta get up at like fucking three to yeah. get out of my house so i was like that's stupid that's let me just let me just stay there um but then i didn't think like i'm so not used to sleeping away from home that like if i don't have even one of my like you know creature comforts yeah. Um, oh, here's a fun fact for everybody. I sleep with a weighted blanket. That's something that uh, most people definitely don't know. Incredible for nighttime anxiety. Those are great. What's the weight on yours? I think it's like 25 10, pounds. 20, 15, yeah. 25. You're, it's, it's you're, you're a 25-pound like guy. Yeah, 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 I'm a 225-pound man. Um, But it's also a large blanket. It's a large size blanket. So it's like weight distribution-wise. Like it's not a single size, you know, like a mm-hmm. twin bed, whatever. Anyway. Um, so there was that. And then that flight home, I didn't get home until like 2 AM and, you know, I still have fucking work to do at night, yeah. eight, 9 AM. So, uh, and then tonight was the most physical exertion I've had in two and a half years, unquestionably. <laughs> and, um, you did well, buddy. You did great. And when I had bamboo up against the wall and I asked him, do you want to use the wall? Like, cause you know, not a lot of people do, by the way, right? Like if you have a padded wall, like like a cage effect, right? Like we can use yeah. it to, you know, I put pressure on I each think, other. And, I think it's uh, great. But I think it's appropriate to ask people. I don't think you should just assume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, I asked when I, when I was in his guard, um, which then very rapidly changed. <laughs> and then I was you know up against the wall like a goddamn accordion shoulder and ear touching the same mat yeah that's the one and so i think i need to go ice myself and um take a trillion edibles that's what yeah and reflect on how much fun you had that's right sure i enjoyed it i really really did it was a thank you for um you know being everything that you are um not just in jujitsu Although that's also fun. It is fun. And uh, I can't wait to do this again soon. Yeah, man. Thank you. I'm so happy for you to, in doing this, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a part of your story. It's a part of just, you know, your growth. And I'm just happy that you started it because I remember, like I said, in the beginning, it was like, I know the hiccups that you have on kind of like pursuing certain things, which is a weird thing to say because you achieve a lot of things uh, to a high degree. You know, your 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 discipline and your intelligence allows you to kind of do things uh, at a very high level, or at least with the energy of a very wonderfully curious person. You know, and that and that matters. And I'm really uh, loving that you committed to doing this, and that you just went into it without making making anyone make you do it you know and yeah of course it's going to help people it's it's it embodies everything that you and i have just been talking about you know as long as we talk people may listen and then other people will then talk and it just becomes this ripple effect of hopefully you know people having a little more um grace and empathy with themselves to then open up more and then serve everyone around in their life better. And it's like, how does that happen? 
by you and I just doing our own work and somehow fucking, you know, meeting up and doing this. So it's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing, man, that you're doing for yourself and for everybody. And that I hope it just con- continues to just be fun and that we do this again. Cause there's a lot more shit we could talk about. We didn't talk about Colorado. Like we there's, talk about there's a lot. No, we didn't talk about <laughs> You're going to be a heavy episode, uh, like repeat people. I hope people enjoy this. Cause if not, they're going to get sick of you. Cause you're coming. Yeah. Well, fuck them. <laughs> That's right. That's fucking yeah, I'm coming right. back. I'm coming back. There's a lot, there's a lot to go over, you know, it's fun. So it had a lot fun. of experiences. And, um, and I appreciate everything you just said. Um, a cousin of mine I spoke with, did I tell you the grand compliment that he gave me? If he doesn't come to mind, then it doesn't then matter. Just tell because me because it would, yeah. no, I'm not, I, I don't even want to say out loud, like the specifics of what he said, because it would make, me no, sense. I do remember okay, it's, so, it's, so I'm yes. not going to say the specifics of it, but like he basically, so he's a PhD scientist. I think yeah. it was from Yale. Let's just say the guy's fucking smart, right? And the conclusion of what he said at the end of this multi-hour phone call we had was, don't ever let anybody tell you that you aren't X enough because Mm -hmm. you are fucking so capable. And something about hearing it from him where it just, there was no agenda. Like there was just nothing for him to gain out of having said it, you know? which to me is what is demonstrable of a loving act is like, there's just nothing, there's no expectation. There's just nothing there. It's just like, I'm just sharing something that is true to him was true. And what it did for me is it, it was like, it expanded my vision to suddenly see like, Oh my God, I've been holding myself back in a variety of areas, telling myself that I wasn't X enough, wise Mm -hmm. enough, fast enough, smart enough whatever insert the things and it's like i walk around so many different small businesses even large corporations and they are just loaded with inept people who are just not trying their best yeah so if i know myself to be capable and i'm trying my best why in the fuck would i not think of course i'll figure it out eventually so just go for it yeah and yet that is not how I've approached virtually every part of my life. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a know, testament to what you told me, which is, can you believe the little amount of energy you need to give someone to give them something so massive? You don't. So true. You don't need to give people like everything, just a little bit to some people a changes hug. everything. One hug could change yeah. someone's life. Yeah. You know, it, it's Anthony was talking about, you know, he's a murder scene cleanup crew yeah. guy and he hugged a woman. That's a title side of a, yeah, I'm sure it has a more elegant title than that. <laughs> um, but he ended up hugging a woman of a guy who had just killed himself in the street. And like, she had like a, you know, basically a seizure of somatic yeah. release over this thing. And it's like, and I don't know if he believes it or not, but I, I sure do. Like, I think he transformed her life in that hug. Like mm-hmm. if she had walked away from that and carried all that energy for the rest of her life, God yeah. knows what that would have produced. Yeah, exactly. You know, and exactly. it's like one act, one act of kindness. And again, and a fucking again, it's because you've done enough work that you can be the parachute right. to catch the explosion 
of what's happening and just Mm -hmm. be there. Mm -hmm. No judgment, nothing but love. Yeah. And that's the, that's the fucking path. And anybody in religion who is talking about anything that is not like pointed towards that, like, I just don't understand what the fuck it has to do with anything. Right. And that's where we're going to be. Perfect. Me making an inflammatory comment about all religion. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like it. Let's go. Let's go. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Love you. Say hi to the family. I will. And, uh, you too. See you next Friday. We can beat, yeah. beat the shit out of each other again. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let me know when you want to do this again. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. Love you. Bye.